You're listening to The Spirit Hunters, a member of the HyperX Podcast Network. Find out about our pod brethren and how to join our new Discord group and support the show at podcast.hyperx.com and also patreon.com slash spirithunterpod. New this April from HyperX, it's the HyperX Clutch Controller. Get better control of your mobile gaming with its comfortable grip, directional pad, analog sticks, and shoulder buttons. This versatile controller can fit a variety of phone widths and can also connect wirelessly for use on tablets and PCs. Learn more and pick one up online at HyperXNHP.com, Amazon, Micro Center, Target, Best Buy, and other fine retailers. Season 3, Episode 12 of The Spirit Hunters. This is Patrick, Hannah, Joe, and Sarah. Last time, we talked in detail about the life and times of mangaka Yoshihiro Tagashi with our best friends in the whole world, Holly Didis at HDidis13, and Marcus of at Core on Facebook, and I don't know if he's on Twitter yet, but if he gets on Twitter, give him a follow. We, we also, weirdly enough, I, I don't know, maybe this is just me or something, but I don't know, I might be having some deja vu, but... I think I could have sworn we talked about some spirit detectives that used to be detectives, but then just started doing random shit. Am uh, did I wrong you, on that? Did you have like a weird dream about like a clam that bit you and spoke French? No, mine was about the I made love to this uh, this famous celebrity or something like that. I can't remember. Oh, and, okay. And gave me the sexes or something. Anyways, right. but anyways, this time we're returning to the Chimera Ant arc, and it's approaching the final duel between Gon and Killua versus Knuckle and Shoot. Who will win? Who will lose? Who's staying on wherever they are right now? And who's going to wherever they're going to? I forgot. But anyways, you better get ready. Woo. Woo. All right. We're going to start with episode 89, Compassion and Strength. Or in Japanese, Yasashisa to Suyosa. It was originally released in Japan on July 21st, 2013. The equivalent manga chapters are 207 through 210, which were released in Japan on January 26, 2004. All right. So in this episode, uh, Gon accidentally names his technique Jajanken while stuttering. And Knuckles says the jaw gives it a little, you know, oomph and that it's clever. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm maybe there's something I'm missing about how this could possibly be clever. I looked it up, and um, I had remembered that, like, the character Ja can, like, mean evil or wicked, and is sometimes used with, like, Oni and, like, other, like, types of demons, like Jockey. And so I'm like, oh, maybe it's, like, kind of, like, wicked rock, paper, scissors or something like that, and that's how it's he's interpreting like, it. Uh, it's kind of like that, that, that um, was it the Bahamas uh, Yaman sort of thing? I... Oh no no no! You're thinking of Ja, which is a thing in ja, okay. in uh, Rastafarianism that is unrelated. But um, I, I yeah, that's obviously fair. Gon didn't intend this, but I wonder if that's why Knuckle is interpreting it as cool or something. <laughs> I'm just imagining for some Knuckles and a bunch of Dreads and stuff, and like a Rasta. I don't know. Maybe no, that's, just that's me. actually Shoot, who's in a bunch of Dreads, and it's unfortunate. <laughs> that's wait, is that hmm, would that technically count as cultural appropriation in that case? I. 
I, I don't know. We can talk more about it when we talk more about shoot. But anyways, uh, Knuckle mentions that Jajankin has two flaws. One, its windup is too long. And two, it's too risky due to investing Aura into his fist, which makes the rest of his body vulnerable. So Gon is kind of like using Ryu to like like eliminate from the rest of his body to just put it there. Oh, I guess Ryu like is constant movement. I forget what the one of like just putting it in a certain area is because even I do not remember which of the Nen techniques are which of the Nen techniques sometimes. Don't worry, Sugashi doesn't either, so you're all in good company. I think he does. I think he has a spreadsheet dog. Uh, I was going to say, he's the spreadsheet dog. Uh, anyways, Knuckle is impressed by Gon's aura, which in volume is comparable to a mid-rank pro, but Knuckle points out he lacks experience and promptly gives he probably gives him that experience physically. Yikes. So, That's a big yikes. I don't, I don't think he should be given 12-year-old's experience at his age. That's all right. Yeah, that, that one's on you. Anyways, uh, Knuckle explains he reads Gon's aura to predict his movements using basic feints and syncopated such staggered attacks to get hits in. So basically, he's playing a fighting game style mix-up game. So Gon interprets Knuckles explaining and ramping up of difficult as being kind and quote-unquote as too nice. Which, you know, again, Knuckle is very like a Kuwabara type figure. So even if he's being mean, there's like some sort of like camaraderie there. Kind of reminds me of Okiyasu almost, but I imagine they're both kind of inspired by each other. I was going to say, I feel Knuckle, while he is obviously inspired by Okuyasu, I feel he's too smart to be, like, a super direct analog. Like, I feel like there's... Yeah. I feel like Knuckle... Well, so Knuckle is also older than, say, like, Okuyasu and Kuwabara. So I think there's also the idea of, like, hey, what if that kid got to grow up and, like, get good at something? That's Didn't Okuyasu... Wasn't he doing better in school towards the end? I could have sworn he was, like... I, I don't must remember... remember. So you might be right, but I honestly don't remember. I mean, because this man has the power to like disappear space and doesn't use it well. So like clearly not as uh, tactical as he could be. Fair enough. I mean, uh, Okuyasu, not uh, not Knuckle. I mean, Knuckle can kind of, uh, not really, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not how that works. Finance and uh, spatial disappearance are different. I don't know, man. You piss somebody off, they can give, with some finances, they can give you some spatial disappearance, if you know what I'm saying. Especially if it's in New York in the 70s. All right. <laughs> Anyways, Gon goes back to using Jajanken despite the warning and gets punished for it, but then criticizes Knuckle for not taking the fight seriously enough, which is an, actually, that's, it just occurred to me, that's a move done by another character in this saga, um, which this is actually, in fact, what Moral and Netero are trying to teach Knuckle to do, aka take things too seriously, because part of the reason they're having him fight Gon is the idea of like forcing him to actually like take a fight seriously and not be too overly nice and he's failing currently so both Gon and him are failing but for different reasons like knuckle if you put his mind to it from the beginning could easily kick Gon's ass but Gon has the opposite problem of just not being strong enough and like his mind is completely there right it's kind of interesting analog like a teacher like a teacher of the teacher if you know what i mean it's interesting to see this because like um especially like the hidden lessons in between because i didn't really consider what knuckle was supposed to be learning from all this um because you think like oh his kindness and generosity is usually framed as a strength and you don't really think that in terms of basically they're going to go into what's essentially war that that kindness will be not it won't it will it come it's great to have compassion but sometimes it can lead to your death if you underestimate your opponent yeah for sure I, I i agree i definitely like this arc a lot for the idea of the commentary on like hey if you are entering into this life or death struggle like unlearning some of that in like a competition between 
like species for survival could be quote unquote useful, whether or not it's moral. And then there's that open question and that's explored throughout this, which I think is fascinating. Wait, moral Uh, or moral? Moral, (laughs) ethical. How about that? Is there a character named ethical? Is it moral oral or is it morel? Orel. (laughs) Yeah, morel orel is my favorite. I I hate you. Anyways. So uh, Gon charges Jajanken and dodges when Knuckle goes to interrupt his channeling. Basically, Gon was using Jajanken as a very expensive feint, which is then explained by Kilua in a non-diegetic scene of Gon pitching a baseball to Leorio with Kilua as catcher and Kurapika as first baseman. I'm shipping this, I'm shipping this, I'm shipping this, I'm shipping this. Man, you're my favorite UPS worker. Uh, The point is, pitchers fake between knuckleballs and fastballs all the time. And so the idea is like the sort of change-up game. Uh, Kilo goes on to explain that Gon taunted Knuckle to get him to think less clearly and play on his knowledge of Gon's technique. So, like when Gon fought Genthru, he's playing a game of mix-up and probabilities, but this time he figured out during the fight and didn't pre-plan it. And like Kilo is very, you know, impressed by this, like the idea of Gon like figuring out how to play this like mix-up game during it. This is like this is some some jo- uh, Joseph Joestar level shit right here. Except I think portrayed maybe a bit more um, realistically in a certain way. And also the idea of like for Joseph, it's kind of figuring that stuff out and then acting on it in a way he has before. While for Gon, it's the idea of like, this is the first time he's using these tactics. And like, I think it's fascinating Hmm. to look at this because it's the development both of power and of mind of like people who are kids becoming like, you know, adolescents and just like how fast people develop during that time. And like, what that says about like his psychological and strategic development. It is pretty fascinating seeing him as a kid and sort of learning like, you know, what probably his father went through, you know, and sort of, cause he could, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, he probably was, he's probably on the same sort of like path as, as, uh, as, a uh, oh crap, forgot his name. Uh, Jing. his father, Jing, Jing, Jing. I can't Jing's wait for you guys thing. to get to the manga because Jing's fought a couple times and he didn't take any of them seriously, but they're like very analytic. So I'd be very curious what you guys think. Seriously, as in terms of his how he viewed it, or like I, I he just he had like a nonchalant attitude in general. He has a nonchalant attitude in general, and I think he viewed them seriously. But I think the idea is that like he has not had to like really tap into anything difficult yet mm. at this point in the in the manga. Okay, so Gon notes it's very hard to maintain Ken now as he's spending on very expensive feints and needs to end the battle fast. Gon starts charging up in the middle of a Knuckle monologue, and Knuckle is shook. More mix-ups, but this time playing with conventions of shonen and martial arts and cinema, but just cutting a dude off who's, you know, like, starting to monologue. So it's just like, what if, like, in the middle of, like, a speech in a movie, someone just started loading their gun, and they're like, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) (laughs) It is, man, that's, like, such a meta thing to do, because that's a constant complaint that people has like why are they wasting time like letting this person speak when they could just attack <laughs> yeah so going instead like looks like he, he calls out judge you know he like is starting to do it but then he actually goes for paper which shoots a fireball and knuckle can like see you know because he's more experienced he can read that it's weaker so he goes to deflect it only for going to show up behind him like not teleporting it actually does show him moving there in the shadow of like the paper attack and he has a charged a which you know required a lot of energy right after doing the other and knuckle 
then is only barely hurt as Gohan punches at him in the back of the in the back because he passes out in the middle of the punch and actually drained all his energy, and so he passes out from overexertion. So basically, this reminds me a lot of the scene of Gohan playing ball with Netero on the airship, where he was willing to do whatever to like win, even if it like would end with him either dying or whatever, because Gohan is that kid. That's pretty good. I do, I definitely did like it because it sort of showed his more his character more and sort of like emphasized that you know and maybe even foreshadowed if you think about it yeah for sure i definitely think it foreshadows i honestly think this is one of the best manga i've ever seen with regards to showing the real cost of exceeding your abilities like it basically says if you're going to do that you have to put up bets that if they go wrong you die or get disfigured and in gon's case you know here it's a like it's a sparring match. So that's not what's going to happen. But like the times were with Genthru where it's like, no, the cost of over, like the cost of doing better than you are literally able to, like going literally 110% is like, Hey, your arms are blown off. Stuff like that. It, it is kind of a cool, a cool differential from other anime where it's like, Oh, you can go above and beyond your power and come even more powerful. And it's like, this one's like, if you go on above and beyond, you're just going to pass out and die. I do. I, like I said, I did like that, that point you made on that. It's kind of, it's a cool difference between stuff like I know that my hero's kind of like that to a point, but like yeah, there's uh, definitely cost to his yeah. action for sure. And I'm not super far into like later parts of it, but I think those costs are like of a different nature. So like I think they yeah. are. It is good that it talks about cost and the like, but there are things that he can train out of. While this is about the process of breaking a limit during a fight, as opposed to exceeding a limit through training, which is different. Yeah, it is kind of interesting because I know uh, Hannah and Sarah, you're both caught up on My Hero, right? No, <laughs> actually, oh. no, not me either. So, did you did you at least watch up to the uh, the end of the one arc with Ari? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, that I saw. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that where it's like it's I guess spoilers for My Hero. It's like yeah, well, he can't exceed. He can do some bullshit to make him go beyond and like mm-hmm. cancel out. And I kind of like that realism for that and kind of in more of the newer enemies where it's like yeah he can't he's pretty much gonna fuck his body but if he does this technique he can do this in like an infinite thing like just finding like ways to break the rules except not quite breaking the rules if like following the rules in their own their own thing instead of oh you know what i changed my mind i can go saying god and go beyond it or like i get i get stronger as i get beat up more sort of things which i like in newer shonen animes yeah so it's not like a do ex machina situation where all of a sudden they're like somehow get super busted without a good explanation. There's mm-hmm. like there's like leeway, I guess, you know. Yeah, I always found it interesting because I feel like when it comes to what I guess would be usually seen as like wish fulfillment genres like shonen would be like a wish fulfillment power fantasy that there has been more a move towards realism in different aspects so i wonder if it's now that we had like exposure to like pure wish fulfillment series that people are now more like either the audience is growing or maybe the younger audience are just becoming more aware that they appreciate those moments of like self-awareness and stuff that's more grounded in reality to have like more emotional weight and also logic behind it yeah, I'd be curious to chart this sort of um, meme out. Uh, and I don't mean meme as in humorous. I mean, just like the the cultural meme of like the idea of going past 110% in Shonen and what that's meant in various points. Because like, 
Um, this is going back to the 80s, but you know the show Fist of the North Star? Mm-hmm. I never um, heard of one that of, one. What's that about? <laughs> you know what it's about. Um, but one of the main characters, like adoptive older brothers, like is dying of, you know, anime death disease, whatever it is. Oh, actually, no, he has a good reason. He, he basically uh, closed a nuclear fallout shelter manually from outside that allowed a bunch, like hundreds of other people to survive, but like left him with terminal cancer. Oh. Yeah. Oh, um, Jesus. Yeah, it's, yo, Fist of North Star, as dumb as it can be, the good moments are insanely good, but, like, yeah, the average episode is terrible. Um, and, but, like, that, and that's a reason that I would like to cover some of the good moments on the show at some point. But the reason I bring him up is, during this, he ends up fighting one of the strongest characters in the show on an even playing field, but they expose that the way he did it was basically, like, hitting a series of pressure points that would like shorten his already incredibly short lifespan in order to give him the chance to like fight this guy at like 100% one last time. Damn. That's actually pretty tragic. Yeah, no it's, and he's, yeah. I mean, I don't think any of you care about fist of the North star spoilers, but like long story short in a world where he hadn't gotten like radiation poisoning he was probably should have been the successor to their martial arts school there was another reason he was also considered too gentle the guy is basically like hey what if jesus did space kung fu all right (laughs) oh my god well i mean he did close a a fallout shelter by his own and suffered that death for everybody so oh yeah he totally totally died for a bunch of people but yeah anyways we will get to fist of the north star someday let's continue so after Gon passes out, uh, Kula picks up Gon instead of fighting Knuckle, since Kula wants shoot and for Gon to get the win against Knuckle. Knuckle then threatens uh, Gon, but Kula rightly points out that Knuckle is saying this not because he really means it, but because he wants to amp himself up. Like, do you guys ever say anything out loud that other everyone already knows, but you say it in order to like for yourself? All the time. Yeah, me as well. I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna win this game. I play Exodia and. No, I don't do okay, that. Okay, fuck you. <laughs> I meant it for real. And then uh, I, I guess I guess like sometimes I'll amp it up. Like I'll like I'll get in my zone and sort of overanalyze it and talk out loud to myself sometimes. Oh yeah, no, that I do for sure. Yeah, I do the same. Sometimes it just helps me. Just even if it's not something like to be hyped up about in terms of like coming over a challenge. Even it's like doing just like regular menial chores and tasks it just keeps me on track so i don't either forget to do it or that i stay focused and actually follow through with it yeah no i I think it's kind of what's going on here i mean i don't think he's just like trying to focus but i also think he's trying to prove something to himself like you know i can beat up a child (laughs) you know we've all been there that's what i say to myself all the time i'm gonna beat up this child (laughs) anyways uh after they leave, Shoot comes out of the darkness and call, and calls Knuckle a softy for training them. Is Shoot basically Batman? <laughs> no. <laughs> Batman with anxiety. <laughs> oh my god, yo, I would I would watch Batman with anxiety. Um, god, now I'm just thinking of... <laughs> Never mind. Uh, anyways, so, you know, then Knuckles is like, oh, that's great, because you just spent some time in the darkness. I don't know what you've been doing. And, like, they're basically just giving each other shit to the point where I'm just like... I know these two are friends, but I feel like not nearly as good of friends as like most shonen main characters. Yeah, it kind of seems like uh, you ever get placed up in that group of people, like you're like a force group, and it's like, well, I guess I'll have to be nice to them or like interact with them. It kind of seems like that. Where it's like a like a coworker, 
Actually, coworker is probably a good example of that. I'd say it's something. It's it's maybe beyond a coworker because it's more like we both elected to work under this guy. So this is more like oh, two grad students who work for a professor. Yeah, that's probably a better. Uh, that's probably a better better explanation with that. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny because it's like it's like reluctance. Well, they don't exactly mesh, but they try to work with each other and sort of respect each other in their own way. If you know what I'm saying, for sure. Um, so back uh, at Bisky's place, Bisky has Cookie massage gone, so he'll be fine tomorrow, and decides to spar with Kula to force him to do combat training because she's basically like, yo, if you're not gonna, you know, fight the guy until like you actually go to fight him, I'm gonna do it. So she fights in her full muscle Bisky form. And she even makes Kula promise not to tell anyone about it because she's still very self-conscious about how she like quote unquote actually looks. Honestly, I was I was kind of like I was kind of awkward. like I felt awkward with this. It's like all of a sudden like Kula turns around, she's like stri- like stripping, and it's like come on and don't tell anybody about this this experience at all. And it's like ooh, this is getting kind of yikes energy right. right here. Anyways. Uh, in a flashback, it shows Bisky criticizing Kula for being too cautious and that he fights uh, he fights stronger opponents to escape, not to win. She says it's a fault not with him, but whoever trained him, and it shows Illumi briefly. Uh, she points out that one day Kula will leave Gon to die if nothing changes. To be fair, I mean, I kind of disagree with that because, I mean, he obviously had that same thing during the, the, uh, the fight with uh, Kite where he knocked Gon out and ran, so... I don't exactly agree with with that assessment of that because it's shown that he didn't do that. That he he knew, okay, oh shit, it's a powerful, but I need help gone and run away. I think she's saying that if that situation happened like repeatedly, there would eventually be one time where he was like inconvenienced enough and his anxiety hit him enough where he would leave going to die. And so the idea is if you continue on this path, eventually it will happen. Yeah, I was also thinking like in the sense like what if there wasn't a chance to run away and Kilua immediately saw but there was it could be a chance to win if they just tried but Kilua immediately shut that option down in the sense that he thought of the worst um situation possible because I felt (laughs) when Missy was talking about it it it's like oh wow I feel like she's uh I felt a little bit attacked myself personally as someone who is very (laughs) much risk adverse and it generally tends to think of the worst and does not do anything at all as a result so I was like oh wow sometimes because risk is necessary I think in life it's just a matter of how people go about it and kilo is definitely more on the airing on the side of caution to the point where it is detrimental because it allows he doesn't really go to any fights that he think he can't win and i don't know at some point how will you know you can't win it unless you try yeah, for sure. Let me quantify that with the next note. So Bisky shows this like idea of probabilistic competency by using a, a graph uh, similar to an error bar graph. Are you are you guys familiar with error bar graphs? Not really, no. So they're basically like, hey, what if you had points compared, but then also showed their relative ranges and probability distributions? Um, and so she basically points out that Kila always assumes that people are at the top of their game, aka the top of their error distribution, like the top mm-hmm. of the probabilistically accessible points that they could be in, um, and always assumes that he's at his worst. So he fears even even matchups where, like, you know, he literally has a 50-50 chance because he just assumes everyone else is at the top. And this makes sense, quote unquote, if you're an assassin and like are in training rather than like need to make your 
light like life stake on it but the fact that it's been drilled into him by someone especially someone so abusive uh is obviously the problem here mm. yeah i think kill was too much of a, of a perfection with that in that in that area where it's like he he will believe that he's at 110 percent, and the next guy's like everyone else is at 110 percent at all times and that might be part of the training where it's like okay everyone at every all times at 110 percent, and if i fight them i'm gonna lose if i'm not if I'm if I fight them and they're clearly stronger sort of things. At least that's the vibe I got from that. Yeah, mm. it's like everyone's at a hundred and ten, but I'm always at like a hundred nine point five, and that point five difference is gonna make me lose. So I'm not gonna try. <laughs> so Bisky says that if Kula doesn't beat shoot, he has to stay out of Gon's life forever, or else he'll leave Gon to die. Oh. I, I guess I kind of said that earlier, but. Oh, yeah. Honest, honestly, I, I think she's saying just saying that as one of the trainers. Like, I don't know if you guys ever had somebody that's like, or like a teacher of sorts. It's like if you don't do this, you're gonna do the. This is gonna happen, or they give you the worst case scenario just to push yourself to mm-hmm. go further or push yourself to go beyond. I think she means it, and the reason I say that is because this has been said to Kula before. Um, so, uh, Silva Gold, uh, Silva Zoldic actually said this to him as well. He did. No, he didn't say it. What he said was, so Kula left and then he basically hinted like, oh, he's going to come back. And like the implication being like, he's going to come back when he's out of friends. Oh, that makes sense. He subtly said it's like, he know he knows that eventually he's going to, his nature will kick in and be like, okay, well, he's going to abandon his friends and come back. Yeah, because what, what Silva anything. said to him, like literally was like, never, like never give up on your friends and like, or something like that. And the idea was that he knew like, he knew Kilo would screw it up because he had a Lumi do all this shit for them. And so like the idea of like, he's depriving Kilo of his best friend. And like, he's like, you know, the show to that point makes him seem like the cooler of the two parents, but it's like, no, both the parents fucking suck. Yeah. Cause like he, know, like he said that specifically to break him down. Cause exactly. once he, it'll be like a regret thing. It's like you, you, you let your father down and you let your friends down and he's at the lowest he could possibly be. And he's going to build him back up to what he needs to be. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's what was done to Silva. That's kind of fucked up actually. And honestly, I, I, I honestly kind of feel bad for like, like it's like the, I feel bad for him because like the father's father that taught him to act that way, you know? And I know that people have an option of changing and being differently, but sometimes, you know, people, you know, get ingrained and they have their own anxieties about their father. Also, speaking of which, anybody guys watch uh, Turning Red? Yeah. Not I'm related not. at all. No. But no, that's kind of the vibe I got from that sort of thing where it's like, oh, it's your 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 parents' sin or your parents' abuse or sort of things and you, and you repeat that cycle, like a repeating cycle almost. Yeah, for sure. That generational trauma. So one thing that's interesting, though, is that this cycle seems relatively new in the case of the Zoldic family because I'm not going to explain more than what I'm about to say and do not ask follow-up questions, but when they get to Zeno's generation, his Gon-type figure is still alive. His Gon-type figure is very alive, actually. Mm. Um, but anyways, uh, Bisky says the following verbatim, Kiwa's overly cautious style is the product of a smothering love, a twisted, self-serving love that just makes his habits stronger, deeper, and harder to break. Without extraordinary willpower, this curse cannot be broken. She's basically saying, like, yo, dog, go to therapy. 
<laughs> yeah, in between the Khmer ants and in between like all this life and death, like just find a therapist. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's <laughs> pretty funny. It's like gone. I think you need to go to therapy, dog. You're kind of, you're, you're kind of, your vibes aren't right, aren't quite right. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe um, there, maybe, maybe there's some pain in there that needs to be removed by force. For sure. I was going to say, like, legitimately, I think that the dynamics of the Zoldic family as this, like, symptom, as, like, basically this idea of, like, a structure of, like, codependency and abuse are, like, really well done. And we'll probably get into it later in this saga. But, like, um, Illumi and Kilua and the parents show, like, exact, like, almost textbook ideas of, like, a certain type of codependence in, like, quote-unquote, high-functioning fam- families. Right. Especially his mother. Um, and also Lumi himself, because, like, if I oh, remember sure. correctly in the actual episode when Bisky was talking about that, I think the main silhouettes that I could make out um, when she was talking referring to Kilo's family it seemed like it was mostly a loomy because he is he's the only one who has like the long straight hair and then also i didn't really see the other soldic family members oh yeah no so i'm saying the direct arbiter of it is a loomy but that it's like on direction from and by being raised by the parents Mm -hmm. because like up until kilo was a little bit older he was not the successor and so like all of everything was put on illumi who was first born and then went from there i mean imagine illumi had a giant ass sigh as soon as he learned he wasn't it was like the biggest sigh that you could ever possibly sigh in your world Probably as soon as like, oh yeah, kill his successor. He's like, okay, goes back to his room and the biggest sigh in the goddamn world ever comes out of his mouth. Yeah. Um, but the scene then ends with Palm coming in like the Grudge. Uh, if it had Yes's roundabout fade in at the same time, that'd be pretty sweet. Honestly, it's kind of funny how much Bisky's afraid of uh of Palm when in reality isn't probably Bisky's much more powerful than Palm. Oh yeah, Bisky would kick her ass, but you can still be like fucking creeped out by someone. Mm-hmm. that's fair like i, ma- I imagine yeah. yeah i just I think mean, it's kind of funny you've seen uh scary movie three where uh the oracle from the matrix kicks the shit out of the woman from the ring but she's still creeped out by her that's fair that also that the that's thing canon. is that I, I i know it's canon. the thing is that in that universe though i think the the, the grudge girl would have much more power than the oracle in that case well, you know, you gotta you gotta wonder if you're taking into account the uh, you know alternate ending that's on the deleted scenes on the DVD where the main character of Eight Mile turns into the Hulk. <laughs> I actually never saw that. You should. It's so fucking stupid. Damn. Um, but uh, well, like they say, it's probably just the chair. Yeah. So the combatants then reassemble, and the episode ends. That actually was a really good episode. It yeah. is a really good episode. I did like it a lot. A lot of twists and turns, a lot of sadness, a lot of like, okay, let's be real, dog. You need mental help and you're a psychopath. So, yeah, let's reflect more on the episode real quick after doing the manga uh, manga notes. But, right. uh, in the manga, the baseball players are just generic people instead of like the main characters. That was, that was a cute change, though. I like that. Oh, yeah, I agree. There's a title page where it shows the four main characters on just like a beach getaway, I guess. It's real cute, but like two of them are not in the saga. I honestly really want that to be me. I'm really vibing for a beach getaway this summer. Yo, but you'd have to be so terrified of whatever could live in that giant of a conch shell. 
Probably, but I mean, if we had Nen powers like them, it probably would be like a nothing to them. And that's I mean, Gon's obviously a fought, has fought stuff in the wild that's way worse than that. That's true. Uh, I've included a picture here of a very pretty Illumi. Honestly, it kind of makes me wonder, do you think that uh, with later... Uh, I'm going to try to say this while being spoilers, but with later characters in in the, the anime, especially in that family, do you think they're they're kind of going to do a switcheroo with that, especially with a lot of the a lot of the gender ambiguous characters, if they were going to do something like they did. I don't with think a, they're going to do a switcheroo. I think. I mean, like definitely... the, that was the idea before they did that. No, I don't think so. I think Illumi, we can talk more about this later, but the gender dynamics of the, the gender and sexuality dynamics of the Zoldic family are very fascinating. And um, I think that'd be a really good episode uh, research piece. And, you know, maybe we could have some guests on who uh, sort of interact with that more as well. But um, that'd be a really good one. I do not think... I think that there's something going on there, RE gender, but not what you're hinting at. Fair enough. I just thought I just thought with all the ambiguity with the the, the, the Zoldex, it's kind of like maybe yeah. that was a, a mechanic that Togashi was thinking about, but he abandoned I a think this later. is more about non-binariness, while the other one is like actual like transgender, like... So we'll, we'll talk well, I just about like that, 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 I, that. I meant in that regards in, the, in regards to LGBT where it's like different aspects of that, where it's like, you know, ambiguity and different gender dynamics, which I think is an interesting, an interesting thing for, uh, for those old Cause it's like, there's a lot of, a lot of LG. I mean, without spoiling, there's a lot of LGBT. Uh, well, it's obvious by like kill that there's a lot of LGBT stuff in there. And, and I guess, Alumi. Actually, yeah, you got Milky, yeah. who's the only cis straight, who's the only cis straight one, and he fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah, that that's fair. <laughs> the thing is that we sh- that we shouldn't we shouldn't assume that he's cis though. Or, or sorry, no, or, no, he definitely. Cis, have yeah. you seen the figures he has in his room? Uh, yeah, that, that's fair. Okay, that's that's a fair one. Yeah, never mind. Anyways, uh, yeah. So, what did you guys think of this episode? Besides, it good. <laughs> it good. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I just really enjoyed, like I said before, I was saying before, I love the the stakes that that are there, the, the pressure that's been put on Killua, the idea that okay, this isn't playing around anymore. While it's like this is life and death, and this is going to cost like from the two different angles, it feels like as much as it doesn't feel like a training episode, it pretty much is a training episode where you have you know knuckle knuckle showing gone not to be dumb as bricks. And stuff, and then you have uh, have Biscuit telling Killua, "Okay, you need to get better because this is some bullshit. You're dumb. This is why you're dumb, and this is why you need to stop being dumb. Get therapy, kid." And yeah, I just think it was an interesting perspective on the training of those two of the two uh, main characters. For sure, I, I definitely yeah. do think it functions as a training episode, and it's one that I like. Um, something that I thought was interesting was like I when when watching it, I was watching the way they animated Knuckles like boxing and kickboxing style and like i didn't love it like i don't think it's bad it's just not how i would imagine it based on the manga but then i reread the manga chapter and it turns out the manga part was not as expressive so you don't know exactly how he fights but i just seem to remember him fighting slightly differently um like just like purely style of like kicks and punches and stuff because it felt very much like i'm trying to think of how to describe it it felt like a very particular style that I'm not like a huge fan of, but like, we'll see if that's consistent throughout his appearances and how the manga portrays it versus the anime as we go forward. That's fair. And I think his styles, I think it's more revealed of what his style is towards the ne- the latter, 
the latter episode we're going to be covering next. Oh no, I understand. I don't mean I don't mean like the full thing with Nen and everything. I mean like literally just his pugilism. I meant yeah, that's what I meant. Fighting style as in the, the style he fights and like you know, or maybe I might be off. I might be in the. I might be thinking of a different thing you were thinking of. Yeah, I'm just thinking of like the way he does blocks and the way he like goes for certain types of kicks and stuff like kind of differ between how I imagine it from the manga versus the anime. But I'll I'll try to find a way to quantify this better slash qualify this better when we get to it because like for right now it's just a feeling. Fair enough. All right, since there's really no deaths in this episode, I don't think we really can do or rate those deaths, so True. Uh well, then and now a word from our compatriots and benefactors. First of all, before that, though, I think I fucked that up. But anyways, loot drop incoming. Get to the drop at HyperX.com for store-wide savings. HyperX is fighting the battle against inflation with deep discounts across all categories of HyperX gear. Head there quick, though. Once March ends, so does the... Oh, March will definitely be over. Uh, I think we're supposed to have a different ad read at this point, but uh, too late. I'm going to redo that. If you guys want a hot HyperX dump, then go to their site, HyperX, (laughs) and get dumped on. Okay, we're leaving that in. (laughs) The award-winning Go Nintendo podcast is the best place to get the latest news on the world of Nintendo. We cover the biggest stories, share impressions of the latest games, and answer your burning questions. There's also some general pop culture talk, game music trivia, a heaping helping of silliness, and did I mention our robot companion? I'm the star of the show. Catch new episodes of the Go Nintendo Podcast every Saturday on the HyperX Podcast Network. Hello, my name's Jonathan Dunn, host of the O3C Podcast. Every week I'm joined by my two best gaming buddies, Chris and Minty, and we talk about the games we're playing, the games we love, and how they rank alongside our sacrosanct top 100 favorite video games of all time lists. Deep dives into gaming mechanics, history and lore abound, all topped off with lashings of irreverent rye, British wit, witterings and wisdom. For details on the show and more, head to o3c.games and tune in every Monday on the HyperX Podcast Network. Alright, and we are back with episode 90, Slow and Cursed, or in Japanese, uh, Risoku to Jubaku. Uh, it was released in Japan on July 28th, 2013. The equivalent manga chapters are uh, 210 through 212. And these were released in Japan on February 23rd, 2004. Uh, real quick, I have a translation note. As far as I can tell, the episode title was actually mistranslated from Risoku, meaning financial interest and curse. So it's definitely not slow. Like, I looked it up to see if there were, like, synonyms. And I could be wrong, but someone who knows more Japanese could correct me. But it's seemingly not related and also is a bad slant rhyme because, like, it's soku and baku. Mm. And, like, you could be like, oh, yeah, ku and ku rhyme. It's just like, yes, but that is the lamest, lowest effort form of rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I don't know what's up, but, like, it feels like the puns have gotten worse all of a sudden. And, like, up until, like, last episode, I was really enjoying all the pun titles. I don't know what's going on. No puns yeah. allowed this episode. Punless. Yeah. You know, they, they they need to use, like, less maybe pun generators or something like that. Maybe that's <laughs> why. But um, 
Anyway, so the episode starts with the two duos coming face to face and they separate into their one to one matches. Um, there's going to be a lot of numbers in this episode, by the way. So Good call. <laughs> um, Knuckles starts by throwing off his shirt and showing Ren. Gon knows he has to play a counter punch game as Knuckle is way too fast for him. Gon knows that he has not um, enough focus to... He does not have focus on sight, but uses N to respond at the right time. And they show this by having him in a bubble without visibility outside it. Gon notices that after getting hit by Knuckle, he has an increase in power, and this like cute little mascot shows up, saying Gon's accrued interest, and he proceeds to grow. Um, yeah, so Knuckle um, is the Tom Nook of our times. Uh, Cricket King, we stand, <laughs> which his nun hits don't do any damage when his ability is activated and instead it gives the recipient none so 10 percent interest every 10 seconds hakaware bankruptcy chapter 7 apr um the apr is harmless and indestructible sounds like someone's talking about modern financial structures yeah (laughs) Like, come on, you just gotta trust it. Invest. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, so, Knuckle introduces concepts of quantifying aura. Um, did Knuckle just abbreviate maximal aura potential as um, MOP or maximum aura potential? What is this joke? I'm, no, so it's not a joke. It's he literally abbreviates maximum aura spelled A U R A. Uh, as maximum aura spelled O-R-A. And I'm like, that's not how that works. Yeah, it would be aura, I guess, me, because they sound the same. But yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, I think it is sound. And I think it's just like the way like a person writing Romaji for Japanese would say it. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to spell A-U-R-A in Romaji, it'd be aura. Ah, which would sound really different. That yeah. makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's better that it's spelled AO, it's spelled the uh, aura output power than whole output power. That'd be really bad if that was that case. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I was going to say, I actually looked into the origin of the word aura just because I'm just like, this is going to bother me. It turns out it's from Latin and then eventually from Greek. So there it was like aura, but it's just like, yeah, no one's no one says it that way in English. So this is just like a multilingual fuck up. Mm, I see. Yeah, they, they kind of messed this part up, didn't they? Uh, we'll talk more about that because that's up to up to how people feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we got more acronyms coming up. So Knuckle clarifies that your ability to release your power is your POP, P-O-P, a.k.a. your potential aura power <laughs> um, with the A-U-R-A, not O-R-A, whatever. Um, the potential aura output power maybe would make more sense. And then there's another acronym, AOP, or actual aura output power. Wouldn't it you be know, Alexandria a- Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah. Wouldn't it be AAOP? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> so- Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyways. Anyways, so um, Gon's Max AOP is... 1,800. In battle, you will spend one aura per second. 
Um, as you use Go Ryuken, um, you will use six to ten times the amount. So the stronger the technique, the more you you use up. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So Knuckle points out that Gon has bad aura control and spends about 10 a second and was out in 20 minutes, meaning he's approximately 12,000 MOP, but he also used Jajun Ken about four times in an AOP of 1,800, but he uses 2,000 while doing Jaja Ken due to the cost of a long windup and the savings of a defensive sacrifice. Um, so he spent actually around 5,500 aura in the first three uses of it, um, which I guess is lighter than, lightly more than the 5,400 derived from the 1800 times 3, putting his aura consumed to 17,400. Um, and then I guess like the quote, actually the following through the technique uses twice the activation amount, meaning he used about 4,000 aura. Knuckle mentions because Gon is bad at emissions, his 4,000 point attack has a value of 500 points, aka about one-eighth of the power, which is terrible compared to the 80% strength that it should have been given the Nen diagram. So hopefully, yeah. yeah. Hope hopefully you, you all brought some that. paper with you. Yeah. There will be a test at the end of the episode. <laughs> welcome to episode... Welcome to the... Uh, was it the um, Statistics 3? We're going to be testing you if you fail... Gonna have to watch every podcast in the beginning. Sorry, guys, I didn't make the rules. Yeah. The spirit hunters do their taxes. Oh my god, which was recent for me. So wait, um, you guys have to do your taxes? I haven't done my tax in like five years. Nice. <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's no consequences for my actions whatsoever. No, no, no. Obviously not. But to everyone else, do your taxes. It's it's good for you. So um now we got a final equation so 22,800 equals 10 points per seconds times 20 minutes times 60 seconds per minute plus four activation costs of 1800 plus two times activation 1800 so yeah <laughs> get your calculators out calculate that actually no i already said the equal amount oh my god this is too much math for me, but um, yeah, so um, these Knuckles calculation of 21,500. Um, oh, sorry. That's supposed to say versus. So versus. like basically oh, okay, doing yeah. the math, he said I got 22,800 versus him saying 21,500. And there's like a 1,300 shortfall there. And I'm just like, I don't understand how this happened. Yeah, I think. Are they trying to gaslight us into thinking of the wrong, like, amounts? Maybe because it's an anime and it's so fast and we're just, like, trying to process the fighting as they're seeing all these numbers? So my guess is that this is actually a banned translation because in the manga, the equation made sense. I'll oh, get okay. into it later. Okay. So, um, I guess that means the translators need to really work on their math skills, <laughs> but whatever. Um... So, yeah, 
I think, do you want to elaborate the numbers in this, Joe? That doesn't make sense. Or we'll just go to the manga to kind of compare We'll just go the to the manga for that. Just know that this is like not really a good explanation. And um, we can, I'll, I'll give like one other thing real quick. Um, so have you guys ever heard of the rule of 72? think i have because i do i but like it, probably for everyone else if they want to know about it it's basically like hey how long given a particular interest rate for an investment to double um so basically if you have an interest rate of nine percent just divide 72 or is it 72 by nine or is it nine by 72 i forget which one it is but uh that's how many like periods of growth you'll need at the compounding uh, like whatever your compounding rate is and so applying this, I found out that it takes about seven periods of growth at 10% interest for a loan to double. And since the periods are calculated every 10 seconds, this means that it would be about 70 seconds for a loan to double. So this is an insanely bad loan to take, but uh, Knuckle is able to force you into taking the loan. Dang. Needed it to a 12-year-old who's probably... I mean, this, is how, this is how student loans work. Yeah. I was about to say, I was about to freaking say, they should, he should have renamed it as attack student loans. Yeah. <laughs> Man. We're gone. Too, um, bad there's, too bad there's no... Uh, too bad Netero can't just, like, uh, forgive the loans. No, no, not... Not, not now. Not even, like... Not even take, a th- like, 10,000 Nen power off of it. You know, just, you know... No, no Nen power forgiveness. Sadly, no. That then, how would he benefit from that? I'm just kidding. I don't know. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so basically, you can go bankrupt if your total owed exceeds your total remaining aura. So, um, the main original Japanese name for Knuckles' ability is Hakuware. Um, which is likely a reference to the Japanese mahjong um, homophonic um, term hakawarai, which um, I guess, Joe, if you want to explain more about this part as well. Yeah, it's used to describe a player whose score has dropped below zero, a condition that causes a match to end immediately and the player to lose. And this is written uh, with a couple of kana, and it also can mean literally, it is broken which is probably an allusion to breaking the bank. So basically Hakaware is like a very, while it implies bankruptcy, it's a specific form of bankruptcy in a game. And I think that's kind of like an important and interesting difference uh, because it also explains why like the idea of if you're, if you're net negative, you have to go into bankruptcy as opposed to the way bankruptcy works in like, you know, us like finance. So um, this is just like a note as to why they're like the net negative income thing is like a rule in his ability. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Knuckle um, gave an insanely high and fast loan um, and is trying to teach Gon about debt. You know, that's exactly what the government tries to do with us when we start college. So, you know, nice. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So if someone goes bankrupt... APR um, or pot clean in Japanese. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's um, like literally called patokurin. Oh, interesting. Um, basically becomes an IRS individual rent suppressor, aka, um, correct me if I'm wrong, like 
Kale Torita. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. That was Kaye? that says uh, called. No, that's called. Called. Sorry, uh, okay. that's that's on me. I wrote that badly, but it's called a uh, Toritaten. Toritaten, um, in Japanese, which literally means to collect. Um, Gon recognizes Knuckle didn't use ability because it'd be too much for him. Knuckle also mentions that people can return debt by attacking him with Nen. So Knuckle says, once your debt goes over 10,000, my victory is assured. Basically, he just has to accumulate half your aura in debt. Um, then we switch to Shoot in Kiloa. Shoot starts by taking a breath to calm himself and steals his nerves and then mentions that he doesn't like hurting people. He thinks to himself that he chose an ability that only activates on hurting people so he could be selective and only use it on people he doesn't mind hurting. Um, Shoot clarifies that it's necessary to fight to show respect. Oh, sorry. I need to do something with my notes. Um. Oh, no worries. While you're doing that, I was going to say, I actually uh, kind of like this because it shows that um, he was like watching uh, going and Knuckles fight where like basically he believed that if Knuckle wasn't go like he agrees with Gon's idea that if Knuckle isn't taking him seriously, then like what's the point? And it's very disrespectful. But shoot, I think is someone who's like a much more um conservative, not in the political sense, but like a conservative and polite individual. So for him, it was a question of respect rather than like uh simply the way Gon was portraying it about like what's the point. Right, exactly. Which makes sense because based on both he seems like really conflict adverse, like kind of what he was implying why he chose an ability that would only work with people he knew he had to fight and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So Kila uses Giot to see the hands that are floating and therefore knows Shoot is a manipulator and that he can't let the hands touch him. Shoot is surprised at um, how much force is generated by the yo-yos that Kiloa is having no trouble spinning. Um, but Shoot then goes through Kiloa's guard easily, and but he draws in Kiloa. Um, Kiloa remembers Illumi and tries to jump back but resists it. So um, he then begins to transmute electric aura. But Shoot sees it and then strikes him before beginning to have um, intrusive overthinking and then decides to ignore it and attack and pursue Kiloa. Um, Kiloa remembers Illumi's voice and Bisky's training as he runs from Shoot, um, realizing that Shoot has the most advantages against him. So uh, I, I really like this. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people often can criticize like anime writing where people are like relaying their exact thoughts, like in mental tracks. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I really like it here because it shows just like how these two who are incredibly strong physically, like have all these like mental things that they need to take care of. Like shoot has like, just like a constant thing of like internal intrusive thoughts while Kilua is like literally like programmed to want to like run away in this situation instead of fight. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting seeing both of them deal with that. Yeah, and it's also kind of, like, interesting how, you know, they're separated into pairs, and they're um, 
fighting the parallels of each other or like similar like they're similar mirrors of each other kind of because like mm-hmm. um gonna knuckle they're both like more headstrong and obviously they're caring but they don't have as many anxieties when they have to fight it's more about like well, how am i gonna win this and let's go versus um shoot and kilua like you kind of mentioned with their several mental hang-ups with whatever happened to them is causing them to um, kind of like either hold back or try to run instead of fighting, even though they're physically able to and know that physically they could probably like go head to head and like beat each other up to a pulp, kind of like how Gon wants to with Knuckles and vice versa. So yeah, it's really interesting, and it the tone between the two fights are very different, which is interesting as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I also think there's something to be said for, like, this is another thing where, uh, you know, Netero and Morel are trying to get um, Shoot to realize something about himself, like, to basically let go and be able to just fight. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so um, all of a sudden... Half of Kilo's vision goes out, and he jumps back, barely dodging a strong right hook from Shoot. Um, Illumi's voice urges Kiloa to run, based not on understanding why he can't feel the left side of his face. Kiloa realizes he has to fight to win, and gets hit um, in the side by one of the floating hands. Kiloa breaks the um, alloy of the yo-yo handles, and... Um, attacks more directly by getting past Shoot's defenses. Shoot realizes Kilua had an electric shock in preparation and jumps out of the way as Illumi's voice tells Kilua not to over-pursue. Now, um, we get back to the hive where we see that the king is fully formed and you can hear a heartbeat. So, yay! Ooh, not really. <laughs> Miracle of life. I don't know. <laughs> It's yeah. beautiful. It's my I imagine. Reveal. I'm. I, oh God! Gender reveal parties blow up half the Earth and kill all of its residents. That's kind of what gender reveal parties do these days. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. God, Jesus. I know. Um, since we were talking about the earlier part with the math and the discrepancies between the anime and the manga, if you want to go to the manga notes. Oh yeah. So first, I have a cool shot of knuckle punching going in the fucking face. It's. I think this is emblematic of why I really prefer the art style for the manga. It's very different and impressionistic. I like the um, DM. On yeah, I like it. the DM as well. It's just like, you know, when you get a when you get a private message you weren't expecting. Exactly. That's pretty <laughs> much what I was thinking too. Or is that technically sliding into your DMs when you yeah. do that? You sl- just slid in too hard. Um, so the manga uses A for aura, you know, from Greek breeze, aka aura. Um the math is here is more explicit with 60 times 20 times 10 plus 5,400 plus 4,000 equals 21,400, uh, which is closer to 21,500, and so makes a lot more sense. And so I feel that if you interpreted certain things that were said in the anime episode, you could come to the same thing, but they explained it with ranges as opposed to in the manga where they just told you the numbers. So like I feel like yeah. while it's possible to get the right thing from the anime, it's unlikely unless you explore it and like mess with the numbers for a while while the manga is just like here are the numbers should have just done that yeah 
but I, ha- I also have the shot of, uh, you know, Kula saying, fuck it, breaking the yo-yos and like running through a shoots guard. It, it, it looks really good. It's just like a kid going full like <laughs> anger. I, li- um, I like the perspective on it. Oh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And then also I noted that this fight, this episode ends in one of the volumes where uh, Togashi basically, who who was doing re-edits and was very tired at this point, says, I'm just barely getting by. And there's a picture of him which is drawn like shit, as opposed to in the previous volume where he said, oh, I'm having a hard time and he's drawn slightly better than this. So this, was, this is uh, highlighted in a um, Super Eyepatch Wolf video about Hunter Hunter, I think, where he talks about Togashi's state through this. Mm-hmm. I think, and this is about the time I think we brought up last episode where they said, uh, or or the the one with the with the when we reviewed the time machine posts, they said, yeah, it's on hiatus back in two thousand four with this. So, so this was a minor hiatus. Era. He had a minor break in two thousand four, the year this was in Shonen Jump, but didn't have his first real hiatus uh, until the end of two thousand five. That's where like the ones that like we now know of began. Yeah, it's kind of sad because he even had back issues back then, and that was he had back all, issues uh, in over... Yu Hakusho, man. Yeah. Oh man, this guy. Uh, hopefully he started doing some deadlifts or something. I don't know. I, I hope for the best for the guy, but we've talked a lot about that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so there's no deaths to report here, but w- what did you guys think about the episodes together as a whole? Cause that's all we're covering this week. I thought overall they're really good. I think it was a good buildup. Honestly, I think in my opinion, I think while I think they dragged out this whole, the fight between, between Knuckle and and Gone, where it could be summarized a little bit easier to speed it up. I thought it was kind of cool to see it in some aspects. So it wasn't the whole... like It might have brought it down to like an an 8 or 9 for me, but I still think it's really cool, really great training stuff, learning more about the characters, uh, learning about their motivations, and I thought it was really beneficial. But definitely wish they could have sped up some of the, the fighting instead of doing it like three or four times. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah, I think it was really good, um, and it was nice kind of seeing more of, like, going into more Kilo's, like, I guess, like, mindset and more into his history. Because, like, we all know, yeah, the Zoltek family's fucked up, but now you can see not just the effects of it, but more about how it's going to impact his character growth going on forward. So, um... I think in many ways before in the earlier part of the series, it was like, oh yeah, Kilo was like a hardcore assassin. And in many ways, it wasn't showing the negative impacts of his gro- of his past um, and how it affects him now. So now we are, which is good. So, yeah. So, and like going to like, you know, he's just trying to fight his way into like saving kite and you know it's hard especially now that he accrued debt and so it's like he's just just going through the ringer at 12 years old so yeah yeah uh i really like these episodes too um especially like the first time watching it um i think it is really nice to see more like character development focused episodes um like, obviously, there is fighting, but it's not as high stakes as, like, everything that was in the Khmer Ant arc. So, it feels like a nice, like, moment to breathe. Um, I do agree with Patrick, though. I think there is a little bit of this is being dragged out. Um, I think the, the repetition of, like, especially the 
I guess it's like spars, the basically spars between Knuckle and Gon is like a little <laughs> too repetitive. Um, but aside from that, I don't really have any complaints. I really like them. Yeah, I'm a pretty big fan. Um, I don't mind the repetition as much as you guys, but I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, I I really like Knuckle and Shoot. They honestly feel like they could be the protagonists of like a seinen manga that like you know just doesn't exist. Um, like it feels like in another world, like sh- like Knuckle and Shoot are just like the stars of like a very popular seinen. Um, and I think I really like that about them. Um, I also like that this explores like their character and treats them as if like they've been here this whole time, you know, as opposed to just like dudes who just show up and they don't really explore too much. Yeah, it's pretty good. I definitely like like their their characterization and their characters themselves, and so their their relationship and explain a little bit better and non sort of like descriptive terms, like sort of an implied relationship, which I think is kind of cool. The only, like the only issue is if they like maybe sped up the battles and made it like maybe two episodes or something instead of like the last three or four would be kind of cool. Yeah, I could I could see that. Um, I guess like, what do you guys think? So we haven't gotten to shoots power, and in fact, I actually don't remember it because I remember him just having like a series of like related abilities where I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. Um, meanwhile, shoot, pretty obvious what it is because he spent a year talking about it today. What do you guys think of his power in relation to his personality as shown up to that point? Because like, I'm curious, like how you feel, like because like Nen abilities. I think more in this show than in anything else I've ever seen, their abilities like reflect who they are as people. What the fuck is up with Knuckles? Because like up to that point, would you have guessed like, Hey, this guy has a power based on finance. No, I would have not guessed that in the slightest. No, I assumed it was like punch harder, baby. Yeah. Or something with the heart, you know, cause he's very compassionate, mm-hmm. but I never suspected something related to numbers or debt, especially, um, and it's really interesting that it affects, like, uh, I think it would make more sense it was just purely time, but the fact that it is both, like, the power usage and time, and it's just, it's very complicated in my opinion, and I'm surprised he can keep up with it. <laughs> but, you know, he's a complex individual, so... Yeah, I have script. wonder... Like, with the knowledge now that it's it's based only half on finance and the other half is based on Mahjong, like, I wonder if it's, like, oh, he was a street tough who was also a gambler, and that's why he's, like, good with numbers. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, because that would make a lot of sense, but it's still interesting that it doesn't relate to nature or animals. And so I wonder... I don't know. I would be, like, again, I honestly think these two are really cool characters that I would like to see explored more. So if there was more material explaining how, like, that kind of came to be... And then, like, Shoot's background as well. That'd be, like, really cool. I half wonder if Shoot's, like, a fucking samurai who flunked out of being, like, you know, in Kenjutsu and then found out he was psychic. And he can he can levitate a bunch of hands. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying, the finding out he was psychic part. Anyways, uh, yeah, if you guys uh, have any more thoughts, uh, please go ahead and say them. Otherwise, we can kind of wrap up for today. I mean, it's a short, sweet episode, but these, I think we... We talked kind of through these episodes and like, there's a lot here to like, it's just not complicated. Yeah. I mean, well, the APR was kind of a little bit. Okay. Yes. But we talked the shit out of the math. So I think we're good. If you we guys want me math. to make an APR calculator. <laughs> Actually, you should. That'd be, that'd be kind of fire. It'd be like, and then APR calculator. 
Yeah, I'm just imagining us like doing a talk instead of at a uh, another anime convention. We do a talk at a uh, finance convention, and just like I made an APR calculator, and they're like, "Wow, that's weird. This doesn't uh, work how we thought it does." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, 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 sorry. I'm talking about a fighting anime." It's like, oh what? <laughs> it's my new plan. Um, but also, yeah, first, anyways, yeah. Oh, also, yeah, the the last thing I had to say is that. With the APR thing, just imagine some really buff. It's it's like it's like just Knuckles really buff doing like a presentation with a shirt off about finances and like a market and like a bank department bank or something like that. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I think it'd be kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just imagining if any of us just had like a high school or a college math professor who was just like wore like you know like uh, a button-up shirt and like a tie every day but was just like uncomfortably buff under all that it's just like well what the fuck is the story there it's like who knows <laughs> i do <laughs> one of the leaders of my company is exactly like that <laughs> oh my god and it's just like oh wow interesting <laughs> he might have men powers <laughs> he might he well. explained why he's so smart but also <laughs> so <laughs> very it's like oh wow yeah, so I don't know what else to say. <laughs> this is Sunday. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, well, speaking of that, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Spirit Hunters. Please hit us up with questions, requests, or just to chat at our Facebook or Twitter at Spirit Hunter Pod. Heads up, check us out at patreon.com slash Spirit Hunter Pod and join our patron-only Discord where we'll be discussing the shit out of Hunter, UU, and much more. Speaking of the Discord, if you want in but don't have the funds, you can help us by giving us a written review on Apple Podcasts Send us the link, your Discord username, and enough evidence to connect them both, and we got you. Each review gets a surface to tens or hundreds more people. Finally, today's intro and outro themes were made by Rifty Beat and Lightest Dalian, respectively. Check them both out on YouTube. Also, big shout out to our editor, Tommy. Thanks to him, the rest of the crew can focus more on doing research and talking to Gashi. See y'all on the other side. Later. Bye. Bye.